myself a nice bottle of Chernigivsk. Chernigivsk? Not easy to pronounce. Well, not so bad now I haven't yet had any of the Chernigivsk. Mm. Um, but yeah, and very I'm popular in Ukraine. Mm. And I'm having a Baltica. Hey, where's that from? Is that from Ukraine? Uh, Russian. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Mm. That's Throvia. That's Vladimir. Yeah. Ochim Freya and the Pastor Corbett, sir. Very nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you Russian? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we live in troubled times, don't we? Evening, Flucker fans. Evening, Flucker fans. Oh, what? Well, hey, cheers. Anyway. Oh, cheers, yes. Mm. Mm -mm. I'm very keen to support the Ukrainian economy by drinking this Chernozivsk. Ah. Well, I might not be able to say it after a few of these. Quite strong. Nice. Yeah. Do, 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 do. It's not uh, all that you see. Oh, uh, yeah. We got a special request, didn't we? Freedom mm. Air wanted us mm. to play that tune whenever you started speaking because he, he well, quite rightly describes you as a, as a, as a serial uh, conspiracy theorist. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a conspiracy well, things I'm just don't add up theorist. Where is he now? What is it? So you're not a conspiracy theorist then? <laughs> no. Do you remember it? It was great. Uh, yeah. Mulder and Scully. Have we guessed the good bit? Mm. Oh, it takes too long. The viewers of you... There we go, there we go. There we What's go. your latest conspiracy theory? Oh, God. I've got so many in there. Listen, all I will say is the following. Not everything is as it seems. If it's on the news, it's only on the news for a reason. You've been listening to some weird conspiracy theorist news channel recently, haven't you? What's it called? What, GB News? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's definitely news. Yeah. It's slightly more independent than the British Ooh, bullshitting. Oh, independent. Slightly more independent, I said, than the British bullshitting. Well, probably some media. Yeah, I don't think it is, actually. They struggled to get it off the ground. Is that the one mm. that Andrew Neil was in? He said, this is... This There's is quite a few. Bollocks, I'm going. Uh, yeah, but... Hmm. Anyway. Oh, Ujit's on it, isn't he? Farage. Yeah. He's on it. He's Dan quite, quite sharp to... Uh, yeah, Dan Wotton. Who? Dan Wotton. He's on it. Is he an ex-cop? No. <laughs> anyway. Hey. Welcome to the show. show. Yeah, crikey. It was a bit different this time. Oh, we've got, first of all, we've got a guest. We have got a guest. We have got a guest. We forget to introduce him right at the beginning, don't they? But this guest is super, super covert. Excellent, yeah. And uh, so, uh, who have we got this evening? They're that covert, look, they won't even speak. Well, when I texted them to ask them if they were still coming tonight, he just replied, Oh, bugger! I've got to put it in my diary. They're not even showing up. Quality, quality. But we'll get him on next week. He's very good, you know. He is very good. Very nice guy. I remember oh, when he started. Do you? What was he doing before the police? Can you remember? Oh, was he, was, he's, I can't remember. He was quite, he was quite young, young, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah. Uh, but now he's running a very successful business. Yeah, in cyber security, isn't it? Uh, no, it's, uh, well, that sort of thing, isn't it? Oh, it he provides services for, um, uh, like, I think there's missing people involved in it as well. But he can, he, he's created an alert system hmm. that can be used by people like arenas. Yeah, major events and stuff like yeah. that, isn't it? Software. Uh, I've heard that the Manchester Arena staff have said that, that none of the, um, uh, issues would have arisen in relation to communication had they had his system. So mm. he's clearly created something rather, uh, yeah, rather special. So it'd be nice to hear about all that. We would have heard about it all tonight had he remembered to turn. Except he's let us down. So you've just got us. Yeah, we're the only ones on the show we'll tonight. Muddle through, muddle through. Yes, uh, we're, we're doing rather well, you know. Do you know we said last time we said we were in about seventy-three countries. We're now in eighty. Eighty countries. Eighty. We are true, true. Global, International, almost. global. Well, isn't that that's uh, that's over half the world, and we're in Russia, St. Petersburg, Leningrad, all over like can, a rash. Can you say hello to the Russian uh, listeners? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Privyet, Privyet, yeah. Privyet, yeah. Do you know any Ukrainian? Kaktola. Uh Not big on Ukrainian, but a lot of the um, Ukra Ukrainians speak Russian mm. over there. So. Uh, well, the, the ones that have not been slaughtered. Previous to them? Yeah. Mm. 
Men he has a boot mark. And that. Kekba has a boot. Yeah. There we go. There he's we go. He's all, and that's because you've got a beautiful Debushka. I do have a beautiful Russian Debushka. And it's interesting that my Russian Debushka is being influenced by our media. Mm. Perhaps. Okay. And um, she's dismayed at Putin's actions mm-hmm. as portrayed by our media, which may or may not be completely unbiased. Well, I was commenting, wasn't I, the other day, about isn't it interesting? So I'm getting on a bit now. During the whole of my lifetime, in any international ah, yes. scenario, and of course I try and see things from both sides now, obviously being a, you know, a, a, a journalist. A, 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 well, yeah, a, yeah, indeed. I'm a professional journalist. Uh, that during my lifetime, not once have the international affairs of the uh, Soviet Union or Russian Republic ever been portrayed in a positive light. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because you would have thought the law of averages would have said that during those last 61 and a bit years, they would have done something right, wouldn't they? Well, or they can't always have been wrong in the, in the international diplomatic yeah, affairs. They would have been right at least once, wouldn't they? But yeah, but apparently not. It's a bit like when you're a cop and you go to um, certain incidents, in particular repeat domestics. I'm going back before Dash and all that kind of stuff, but you often came away thinking it can't always be her fault or it can't always be his fault, even though we keep going back. Surely they're both as bad as one another at some point. And well, yes, there are occasions when you go and clearly you can say, well, you were out and out the aggressor and without a shadow of a doubt, are responsible for this, this scenario, but, but not on every occasion. Not and, all and, and the look, time, and look for at 60 fights. years. And look at fights that happen, pub fights and stuff like that. You know, you go to them, you, think, you end up identifying who you think at that moment in time may be the offender, based on that they've got less injuries, or the, 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 person, the other person, the injured party, or whatever you want to call them, seems to have more injuries, so therefore they could never have been the aggressor in the first place. And you make a decision. Well, actually, quite often, both as bad as each other, aren't they? Yeah. Hmm. And I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't uh, hesitate for a moment to suggest that, on a global scale, that's probably just the same. Well, not that I want to get bogged down with Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. Um, I, I do find it fascinating and awful for the people of Ukraine. Absolutely, I'm not condoning Russia's actions at all. What I am saying is, we are influenced heavily by the media and what's on the news. And it's only there for a reason. But that's my that's my view. That's my conspiracy theory. That, but that's as far as it goes. In as much as I remember, not quite as old as you, not not far behind you. Well, Steady. Steady. And um, but gro- growing up in in like the late seventies and early eighties, I can re- I can remember seeing the adverts on television that were funded by the government, similar to the COVID type star things, about an in, impending. Uh, Russian war, nuclear war, nuclear holocaust, telling you what to do. Go under the stairs, put mattresses against the doors, stock up up on water and uh, tinned food, all all that kind of stuff. Now, was that just there as propaganda to create fear? Because it's fear that keeps the population in place, isn't it? it? Look, look, let's look at, very briefly, Covid, lockdowns, restrictions, vaccinations, two metres, masks, all of that, which a lot of it has been proven since not to be as effective as what they... <laughs> but, but it's there though, isn't it? What did it do to the population? It created this element of fear around the virus. And that's how they got control of people to, you know, well, to comply. When you're afraid, what do you need? You need someone to look after you. Well, you do. You need someone there to, to see you through that troubled path, don't you? To, to, to see you safely and securely, and your family and your loved ones, to get through it. Mm. So you put your trust in people. Yeah, of course. Oh, obviously, people that you can trust implicitly. What, like politicians? Yeah. Uh, uh, no. mm. Like the media? Uh, uh, mm, no. Maybe, maybe not. Interesting, isn't it? The, the, um, uh, with the media trolling out um, all things like, you know, those, those naughty Russians, they're bombing children. Mm. Uh, hospitals, mm. schools, mm. and of course, 
this gets trolled out by both sides whenever there's not a, whenever a war takes place, doesn't it? I, I believe the Iraqis were claiming that Tony Blair was deliberately targeting hospitals, mm. children, mm. civilians. Yeah. Mm. Well, he probably was, to be fair, knowing old Tony. What, you mean on that war based on lies that was proven to... Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. yeah what, was liked. it a war? Was it a liberation? He liked to think it was a liberation. Well, as as of course. Putin would like us to believe that, or possibly like us to believe, that it was a liberation of the annexed areas... Donbass. The Donbass region. Yeah. Of, so... Of Ukraine. Hmm. Mm. It's all smoke and mirrors, isn't it? Oh, uh, uh, and we, are we holier than thou? I think bloody not. Absolutely We've not. We've not been one of the biggest interferers in foreign affairs of any country in the world. Considering our size, mm. we've been disproportionately aggressive all the way around the world. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And I get, you know, I said we're not going to get bogged down in it, but I, I'm fascinated by it. But just, so out of interest, did you know in the last week the US have bombed Somalia? Did you also know that uh, US-backed US Saudi troops... Have they, got, have they got oil? Have they, Somalia? Well, I'm not sure. Uh, US-backed Saudi troops continue to bomb and cause havoc in the Yemen, uh, with, I think, the displacement, like, 4 million, yeah, the poor people, 4 million yeah. people, like, 400,000 dead, or is it, like, half a million dead or something like that? Well, nobody bats an eye to that. Israelis yeah. have bombed Syria in the last week. Um, the Israelis often encroach into Palestine. Uh, we don't put sanctions on them. It's, it's all, it's all a bit like, mm, well, you know, well, that suits our narrative. So we'll we'll turn a blind eye. But well, we're not having this in 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 Europe. But interestingly, talking about my conspiracy news channel that I like to listen to, GB News. It's very good, by the way, GB News. You go on it. It's a lot more independent than. What do you think they'd have me on? It, yeah, I was talking to the listeners. Oh, I see. Sorry. Oh, right. When you say, they, they, oh, I'm they should right. go on and, and watch it. I don't I'm still struggling to try and get a hang of this. <laughs> there was a female being interviewed this afternoon, and I heard it whilst I was driving into work to come and meet our guest, the covert guest. Who's that? <laughs> Bless him. He's undercover. We'll, 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 we'll let him off because he's a good lad. He's a good lad. Oh, he's yeah. a good lad, yeah. Um, was, was, this female was being interviewed and um, asked on why she thought what was happening in the Ukraine was happening. And she said, well, two reasons. Uh, reason number one is we've reneged on an agreement with the Russians uh, which we made years ago which was about the expansion of NATO no further east to which we all agreed and now they're considering expanding NATO further east uh, which is wrong so what do you expect and we double crossed one of the Russian presidents in the past gotcha. uh, Gorbachev I think it might have been yeah and secondly we're too woke interesting and, and so I thought well, well how, how's that then so her explanation and it was uh, I can't articulate it as probably succinctly as what she did, but what she said was, we've, we've come too much to rely on the power, and in terms of power, she's meaning energy, is in like fuel, right. as in like oil and gas and stuff like that, from, or Europe has, from a, a state such as Russia. So we've come too much to rely on that, and we're our own worst enemy, because what we've done is, we've, we're quite capable of producing our own gas and oil and coal in this country, but we've allowed the woke brigade, the leftist, um, environmentalists who've said oh you can't do that it's not very good for the environment and we've agreed to it and and we have policies in place now that say we can't do x y and z because of the damage it will cause to the environment so therefore we are at the behest of the russians and the power that they now can have over us because of you know gas and oil etc and she said well yes it might not be good for the environment but i'll tell you what's not good for an environment is a nuclear bomb yeah so if we hadn't have been so woke and we'd put a foot down and said to the leftists, you know, tree huggers and, you know, grass strokers. Well, the, the reality, the reality <laughs> is, well, whatever they call it, I can't remember. <laughs> the reality is, you know, we're faced with, do we, do, we, do we damage our own environment for the sake of saving our own country? Well, and, for the, and I thought, you know, that's a really good point. If we weren't so woke, well, maybe, maybe we wouldn't be at, at the behest of the Russians so much. We, we have got huge quantities of shale gas, yeah. haven't we, available. Yeah. And all we need to do is just a little bit of fracking. Mm. Which and won't damage the environment as much as a nuclear warhead. No, or but I don't think, it's, a, I don't think it's an either-or option. But it's interesting, isn't it? We've allowed ourselves to be dominated by the opinion of a minority. Mm. And we're so hung up about appeasing them 
hmm. that we allow ourselves to be vulnerable in things like, you know, our power generation. Well, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Yeah, we're talking about, it was another female interest, interviewed a few days ago, on, again on GB News, and, and she said, the instability is created by weakness. If you want stability, you need power and aggression. Being weak, yeah, will not will not give you stability in the in in the world. Ultimately, that's yeah. absolutely correct. You need, you need strength and power in order to keep control of things. And because we've become weak, you know, it's allowed to happen. You could you could argue that Putin has allowed us to carry on and watch watch the demise of of uh, the Ministry of Defence in the UK in terms of its armed forces capacity, in terms of its budget cuts, num numbers of boots on the ground. Ships, aircraft, tanks, all of those things. And Europe has done the same. Yeah. And I imagine that Putin's just sat back and gone, yeah, get on with it then. Yeah. While I amass. You know, he, do you know he has enough enough nuclear armament to destroy the whole world? Well, as does America, I would imagine. I, don't, I, don't, I'm not, I think Russia has the most nuclear arsenal of, of everybody, uh, of anybody. I think. But yes, I found that really all, all quite interesting. But, um, hmm. you know, I'm not siding with Putin. I think he is a man on the edge. I think he is dangerous. Yeah. But nonetheless, you know... Well, as are well, a lot of people when well, their backs up against well, them. Well, they are, yeah. I mean, what happens if you keep poking a dog in the corner of a room? Well, indeed. It's going to bite you. Talking of biting, we'll come on to biting in a minute because we've got something uh, to talk yeah, about. Yeah, um, But I do, I do think that, you know, if you go back a couple of years when we weren't going to renege on the agreements that we made and everything was fine Russia was fine so what what's changed what has changed to make Russia act the way it's designed well, probably to something that that the Americans wouldn't get upset about and that is no. having the presence of armaments right on the Russian border yeah the Russians the Americans historically been quite relaxed about that haven't they oh yeah Oh, well, you need the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, Christ, they were dead chilled about it. Come on, yeah, bring them in, yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah, well, um, so you'll never use them. So Cuba was a communist country, so we've got strong, fairly strong ties to the Soviet Union. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So why were the Russians just going like, put some nuclear bombs in Well, like Cuba? randomly out of the blue without yeah. any kind of provocation whatsoever, like the Americans putting missiles in Turkey? Oh, oh. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry. So the US parked a load of nuclear warheads in Turkey, yeah. facing towards yeah, Russia. It's all very messy. Isn't it? it is, yeah, it's just messy. Notably, yeah. Should we cherry pick what information we want to historically uh, put forward? And wow. Well, uh, actually, now that we're international journalists, we're, we're It's great we can do this. We can, now, we, we can explore these avenues yeah. of, of alternative theories, yeah, hypothesise on. Easy you know, for you to say. Wow. Mm, that's sure. not a Russian word, by the way. Isn't it? <laughs> it confused me momentarily. You're coming at me back. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, that's enough talking about the uh, current affairs. Yeah. Poor old Jazza. Jazza. My old pal from Thames Valley Police. He's been in the, the Happy Valley fairly recently. Yeah. Well, the home of um, uh, Welfare Wednesday. Mm. Apparently, morning shifts are coming on now, and uh, well, when the after shift comes on, uh, the morning shifts is uh, keeping all of the keys instead of handing over the keys like a shot. They've got to keep hold of the keys for an hour so the after shift can look at each other and and wait. And I dare say go through the jobs on the box and um, not it's not like a proper welfare break then. It's not like coming in an hour later, is it? Uh, no. Do you think they sit round on beanbags eating donuts and talking about things that are troubling them? It's finger symbols and that kind of thing. Uh, no. They'll be run ragged just the same as usual. I would imagine, although anybody else from Thames Valley that's experiencing this wonderful Welfare Wednesday, let us know how it's going. Jazz is not that impressed so far. Mm. Paul, I was bitten. You could, so, sorry. Oh. I, I was just going to say, you can imagine it, can't you? I can imagine it back in our day of having a Welfare Wednesday, getting in, and the morning sergeant coming, saying, I know it's Welfare Wednesday, but we are uh, absolutely got strapped for cops. Yeah, no, no, nobody got no left. Staff, nobody left. And this shit domestics coming. Yeah, and there's a rape and a domestic. Yeah, yeah. Can you tip out? Can't go for an hour, Sarge. Yeah, yeah you know what you, yeah, you know yeah, what we've got. Yeah, you're yeah. going. Yeah, throwing the keys at you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's all we've got left. Get out. It's well, well. I hope it's. I hope it's. You know. The, well, the, it'd be nice if it did take off in a proper manner because we're finding recently that we are increasingly seeing evidence of, of the job 
putting forward that it's very concerned about its staff, about their mental health of its staff and the welfare. Is it? Well, it's wanting to put this forward that they are, but our experience has been, in reality, that there's precious little support for those that are going through difficult times. Yeah, so my, my, my question to our listeners would be, you know, what, what's your experience? Do you feel that there is a shift in, you know, the, the organisation that you work for, you know, showing true signs of concern about your, your mental well-being at work? Or do you think they're just paying lip service to it? Well, I think that they are recognising that they are vulnerable to claims being made against the organisation because frontline officers often have been doing that job for 10, mm. 15, 20, 25 years. Good friend of ours, frontline officer for over 20 years. Mm. And um, it, it, it has its price. It has its yeah. price. And I was going to ask you actually what your, um, if you over the years, how many years, years did you do? 13. 13 years in the, in, the, in the police. Compared to, say, a Navy career, which is obviously spent most of the time drinking and fighting, but, you know. Not in Russia. Not in Russia, thank God. Um, do you think that your years in the police and all the Navy had any kind of impact on your mental health in a positive or negative or both oh, way? Definitely both. Right. So the, po the positives are probably the easy ones to talk about first. And I would draw on these positives from both uh, in as much as I learnt a lot about um, resilience, um, teamwork, decision making. They were all, you know, positive things, you know, understanding emotional intelligence. Um, so all those kind of the, the, the mental side of that, how it affects your mind. Mm -hmm. in doing doing things there are lots of positives and uh, certainly shaped my my character post leaving you know secondary education mm -hmm. and without shadow of doubt turned me from a boy to a man mm -hmm. some people say mm -hmm. ish mm -hmm. or a male species would your young lady agree pardon Sorry, what? would your young lady agree oh, I don't know have to ask the, 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 the negatives so, uh, you know, in terms of suffering from any kind of mental ill health mm -hmm. or having bouts of um, periods where things affected me from a mental uh, point of view, I would say predominantly most of it would be drawn, would, would be from the police. Oh. Yeah. And it's funny because I was talking about our friend the other day to a family member and they asked me about my experiences of... Oh. Um, being exposed to trauma right. and, and all that kind of stuff and I thought about it and you know I would say there were certain events that took place in my police career which were terrible traumatic but it, but that from an operational point of view so going to a, a really bad um, road traffic collision where you know there's a lot of dead people bits missing you know trauma for the individual I, you know, in terms of physical trauma for them causing mental trauma for you when you look at it mm -hmm. and I don't actually have that much of a problem with that or much of an issue with that That's because that's my job the issues that I find most traumatic is dealing with the, the aftermath um, and I've, I've said this before on previous po podcasts about I was trained by some really good experienced cops and you know when you get to a, a scene a devastating scene of, of a road traffic collision where people are have lost their lives there's nothing you can do for that individual the dead and as sad as that is as awful as that is that's when your job really kicks in if when they're dead because you are there then to represent a the coroner b the police and c the family to make sure that no evidence is missed you do the best job you can if there's any offenses they're identified and people have, you know are brought to justice for those offenses but it's dealing with the families the constant dealing with the, the, being exposed to the trauma of their trauma that had more of an impact on me and there would be and I've spoke about occasions before 
about delivering death messages and stuff like that. The, the, the worst one was the telephone one when they were in, mm. oh, in Spain, the family. Yeah. Tragic, tragic collision, tragic set of circumstances, like one in a million chances of it happening. Um, and but, but dealing with the aftermath, the fallout of that, traumatic. Yeah. And so if I was to look back and say, what were the things that affected me the most from a mental health point of view, um, it would be the, the aftermath rather than the event. Mm. And don't get me wrong, you know, I've been to people that have been shot, I've been to people that have been stabbed and, and that have died, and died at the scene, despite the best efforts of everybody, and the same with collisions, uh, been to suicides, um, witnessed people jumping off a building, um, uh, tragic. But it's not the, it's not the actual event. Well, and I've spoken to, I've, I've been to counselling for, I'm quite happy to say that, to talk about you know, issues that I've had in my life that have affected me in, in, in my adult life. Um, and that has come out, you know, it, it's not, that, that's not my issue, dealing with the event itself. It's the, it's the yeah. fallout afterwards. That's where, I suffered, that, that's where I suffered the most. What about apart you? from the, well, apart from the, our good friend and colleague that um, uh, we've been talking about, did you did you work with any other people that you think mm. had their mental health compromised by their role? Oh yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, How did it manifest itself? Depression. So when I I, be, I, I was I became aware quite quickly. Probably because I was more mature when I joined the police, so I was like 26. I'd already had a previous life before I joined the, joined the cops, and I was I was amazed how many cops I came across that suffered from some kind of mental ill health. And I'm not saying they were they they suffered with it permanently, but they had bouts bouts of it. In particular, I can think of a female cop on. Uh, my shift when I first started, uh, in fact two female cops actually, both had um, bouts of mental ill health. Um, I'm not sure of the exact specific reasons as to why they were suffering with that, but you know, so, and, I, and I found it quite strange, um, you know, because I've been exposed to some pretty shit things when I was in, in the forces, but whether it was just my age, just brushed it off, it was just part of what it was, it was just the life that you chose. I don't know, but it, I don't think it, it affected me. Um, and I didn't really come across anybody within the armed forces, but bear in mind, we're going back to the early 90s, late, late 80s, early 90s, when, you know, men were men, women were women, homosexuality was Ill illegal. Yeah. It was a, an offence to be gay. So I dare say that any individual that was suffering from bouts of mental ill health would choose, would, would, would choose not to say anything yeah. because of the stigma attached to it. Yeah. I mean, there was there was a stigma attached to being homosexual when yeah. I was in the, in the forces, which was which meant prison, and you went to prison yeah. before you was kicked out. It's amazing to think that, that wasn't long ago, was it? No, no, not that long ago at all. But then there were some crazy fuckers. I mean, and absolutely nutters. And when I look back now, I think, yeah, yeah, you were a nutter because you, you had fucking mental health issues, without a shadow of a doubt. And, it, and, and I think their way of dealing with it or to overcome it was to become, you know, this this character or this, this, this yeah, character. yeah, bizarre. Lunatic. Do you, do you think for, say, frontline officers in the police, do you think that they're the number of those that suffer mental health problems? Do you think that's disproportionately high compared to the general population? I suspect it probably would be. Hmm. Well, before we answer that, what about yourself? Do you, well, can, you remember, can you remember when we had the uh, whispering, whispering dog animal? Yeah. Did he not say that? I think he used a quite quite a good analogy about people who were ill with, say, the flu or the cold, or had a bad stomach, or you know, maybe, maybe injured their shoulder or whatever. They'd quite openly talk about it. Say, "Oh my God, I was so ill last week. I, you know, I couldn't get off the toilet. It was from both ends." And quite open about it. I had two days off work. Yeah. You know, I couldn't I couldn't go twenty minutes without sitting on the toilet. But you but, never discuss a vulnerability yeah. or what, um, what someone would perceive as a... Yeah, because a because of the stigma attached to it and the fact that, you know, as soon as you mention some kind of mental ill health, you, you can become 
you know, stigmatised. Well, certainly or, back in the day, very much yeah. so. Now I think there's more of a, an acceptance that, that yeah. we all can. Yeah, without, without a shadow of doubt. But people can, can have a bout of mental ill health for two days. Mm. It might be that they have been to something that's very traumatic and it's, it's knocked, them, knocked them off the feet. Well, I, in fact, I'll give you an example. So my, my, my beautiful day, Bushko, is not sure. One of her clients is a paramedic and um, she's very open about you know, the, the, the stuff that she deals with. And my wife was telling me today, so she's, my wife has seen her clients today, the paramedic, and th- this one specific incident has, has troubled her and is troubling her at the minute and she's struggling to get over it. So she, it was a mental health um, job that she went to. Her and a colleague went, turned up in an ambulance and they went in and the guy was clearly having some kind of psychotic uh, bout of mental ill health. Voices in his head to the point where he was pulling his pulling his own hair out, yeah. um, like literally, and he got chunks of skin attached to his hair. Yeah. He was bleeding down his face. So they they managed to convince him to get in the ambulance. They took him to hospital. They got him admitted, and um, he needed some more anti antipsychotic drugs or whatever. Anyway, they stayed with him, waited for the because he could be triaged. Um, waited waited with him, but then they got called to another job went to this other job, dealt with this other job, ended back up at the, the same hospital where they um, dropped off this, this guy who got his mental health issues, and went to check on him, because they were really worried about him, and had been discharged. Yeah. The next day, she went to an incident on the train track, and as she got there, she saw the clothes, uh. and was like, that's the guy from the hospital last night who's been discharged, and it was. Not dead, but seriously injured. Wow. Yeah. Well, how many times did you have someone in custody that had a mental health assessment so, and you, were, you thought they were absolutely in need of some urgent care and then the response would be, no, they're fine. Yeah. They're right for interview. Oh, yeah, but my point is, so she deals with lots of trauma, lots of, you know, awful things. And she said, yeah, this is, it's bothered, it's bothered me for a couple of days, you know. So, and it might just be a couple of days. Mm. So it is. It, would you describe that as mental ill health for a couple of days? About of, you know, or is it? And it's a feeling of utter, like she says. You know, she was explaining to my wife. She said, you feel helpless. Yeah, helpless. And you feel that you've been let down by the hospital, and I feel that I've let the family down. Mm. So there's a combination of emotions, isn't there, which make you feel in a certain way. So it's not always. Yeah. And the trouble is, it's it's, it's not it's not black it's not black and white, is it? It's like somebody with a bad back. Well, how bad is your back? Yeah, that's right. It's like me. We can't see it. You can't see we it. Can't see and it. you can't see mental health, can yeah. you? Yeah. We can't see it, so it's probably not as bad as you're saying. Mm. Would be perhaps the assumption. I found personally, for me, one of the most difficult things I had to cope with was dealing or being in the presence of genuine, utter grief. Mm. And so, not anger, deal with anger not a problem you know the anger's directed at someone usually and then you wouldn't take it personally but I think the thing that would upset me the most would be decent people in situations of utter grief and loss mm. uh, not being able to help them mm. knowing I couldn't help them with that and no matter what I said it would mm. not make it any better although you'd try obviously but uh, I found that that troubling um, and, and recent events, really, with our with our good friend, um, started me thinking: is it is it right that that the job should allow people to have these frontline roles for so long? Fifteen, twenty years, thirty years of relentless grinding down by events and decisions by the management often that some of the most distressing things are, 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 are borne down by the bosses aren't they making some ridiculous decision about staffing mm. look at our, our friend who's who was one of four sergeants for an area now it's one sergeant for that area one mm. two, pre- two if you're lucky yeah well if you're very lucky mm. same volume of work how how could that possibly be right? And the stresses of it, he was describing 
going to sudden death after sudden death, hanging after hanging, terrible circumstances. No time to recover. Two minutes later, yeah, can you go to this shit domestic? Mm. Uh, well, that, that, that is one of the issues, isn't it, faced by frontline response cops. I'm not trying to, you know, talk down the roles of working in public protection, dealing with child abuse, child sex offences. They're all important roles. Uh, absolutely. Um, but the relentless grind of, of being on the front line, yes, but, but the problem is you've got a multitude of factors which affect people differently as well, and because we're all different. So, for example, one individual may may relish the stress that the organ that the job brings because they thrive on that that stress oh. but at the same time they're they're not very good at dealing with you know the the utter grief that individuals or going to a, a suicide or hang none of us are the same that's the problem so you don't know and i'm not defending an organization here or any organization but what i'm saying is you don't know who is affected in what way and you know, and what, are there any checks and balances well, put in place? Well, and should there be? You know, what, uh, what, makes one, what makes one hanging worse than another hanging? Is it because... Well, well it might be the second hanging. Well, it might be. Or, or the, the third, third or the or fourth. Or it might be the fact that, that that person has been hanging for two weeks before they were found, or was that person there only 20 minutes and yeah. you almost saved the life. It's, it's so complex. I don't think there's a... Well, perhaps the answer is... Is that you don't have anybody doing the same role. Say, for instance, I think with um, don't with, with sort of child protection issues or the uh, you know the sexual offences thing that you, that you wouldn't do that for your whole career. That there are checks and balances in place to, to to make sure that you don't become affected by these things. Because, I mean, one of the impacts of being a police officer for me, I don't consider myself to have suffered terribly. Uh, I hasten to add, I don't at all. But my family would say in some circumstances that I lack emotion. Well, it's been said that I lack yeah. emotion. And I find that's a common thing said about people that have done a few years of police service, mm. that they, they, they lack emotion in certain circumstances that your average person in the street would become very upset about something, mm. whereas your average cop would brush it off as what's nothing. Mm. It's absolutely nothing. In relative terms, for me, I would consider that that event, whilst you find it tragic, it's absolutely nothing. And I'll be convinced in my own mind that, well, what are you worrying about something so trivial for? Uh, and so, yeah. Um, so that can't be a good thing, can it really? Well, it's not. And, you know, I, I could give an example of that. It was when my, um, when my daughter's rabbits died. Oh, dear. My, my wife said to me, you treated that rabbit like it was a dead body at the, in a car crash. Oh, no. You were just like just so, matter, yeah. so matter of fact about it. You went into the cage, you picked it up, you put it under your arms, like, come on, mate, <laughs> and took it down the bottom of the garden and buried it. Yeah. You know, very unceremonious. Like, yeah. oh, but I'm like, well. And then reality was it was a member of the family for was, years. Yeah. yeah. And everybody else was absolutely so when, by it. So when the second rabbit died, I made sure that I was a lot more... Uh, Did you have a full yeah, ceremony? Full-blown full funeral. A little cart, flag, band, folding flag thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> March down the bottom of the garden and buried it. Oh, oh yeah. And, and I, you know, to me, it was... I, I didn't think I was that unemotional or detached about it. Yeah, I, but, I, I, th I thought that I was doing quite the right thing and was, you know, cuddling it under my arm and give it a bit of a stroke and set up a door. If we were having this conversation amongst our beautiful debushkas, then it would be upsetting. We wouldn't be sat here grinning from ear to ear, laughing about the fact I'm not grinning, I've got, I'm not grinning, I've got wind. <laughs> it's just Russian beer. But it, and that actually, it's not a good thing, is it? However amusing we find that situation from our perspective, mm. it can't actually be a good thing for our family to witness the fact that these things don't register on our emotional Richter scale. Mm. So is it not... So whilst you're saying it's not a good thing for our families, is it not a good thing for us either then? Well, no, it isn't. But we just soldier on, don't we? Like our good friend. He's done over 20 years constantly being battered by demand, demand, shit job after shit job, being shat on by the bosses, ever-increasing strain, expectation, accountability... Constantly what, what, increased accountability. Increased accountability. Not only for himself, but 
for all of the staff that you supervise and all the difficulty they go through, the way they get treated, the way that they'll just get dumped on and yet you're now over there and that shit team, despite being a fantastic frontline police officer, you're now going to be on the crim. Well, I don't want to go on the crim, I'm a really good response officer. Yeah, you're going on the crim. So, I don't know, I think there needs to be a lot more care of people. The and big hairy ass cops and the men as well don't necessarily think that they want to be looked after in that front. But I think, really well, now... This Ukrainian bit is better than the Russian one. Is it? I've forgotten how to pronounce it. I've tried a bit of this Baltica now. Uh, anyway, but... I. So what's the answer? What's the answer? Well, to, because uh, what happened to us, well, to you and, but, and, our, and our good friend, that can't, that's, that's certainly something that needs to be addressed. My, my, How do we do it? I can't remember the year, but I can remember the month. So it was it was August. Uh, I think it would have been two thousand nine, ten, or eleven. I can't remember. It was somewhere around that. I can't remember the year. But in this in the in the, so in this month of August, I dealt with ten fatals in a month. But that doesn't include also going to uh, people that were shot or stabbed, or any other deaths or suicides. Yeah. That, that, and there were those, you know, and that has to, that, that has to have a, a, an impact on you. It, does, it must have to take, it just take a toll on you, doesn't it? Oh, it's got one to, month. That was just one month, yeah. Not was, yeah, I had the nickname, the, the Grim Reaper. Yeah. So, and I was Which a sergeant. Which you would have chuckled about. I was a sergeant, uh, yeah, I was a sergeant at the time, on, uh, on ARVs. So we used to cover, Roast policing as well, in particular fatals. But when a serious or life life altering fatal came in, I would have to go because I'd have to bronze it. Bronze could be would you be like number. aim and just be super reluctant to go out until absolutely no, no, the last no. possible moment when no, it was but, confirmed by almost God that it's going to be? No, like no, no. To be fair, my relationship then was really good, and if I asked for them, they, they would come. Would they? Yeah, that's was, very unusual. Yeah. They don't come out to response no. officers in the same way. But, they um, trusted you. I used to buy them biscuits. Uh, but, yeah, they used to But what used to happen was, so somewhere within the county, um, there'd be a, a, a serious collision, and it'd be like, like a life-altering collision, and they would uh, shout me up, Zulu 25, this yeah. has just come in, can you start travelling to it? ARVs are just about arriving at the scene. And as soon as the new Zulu 25 was coming, they used to go, oh, it's bound to go one. Oh, no. It's bound to go one. Oblique one. No. The Grim Reaper's called. Oh no! <laughs> it would go. Oh no! And I got so I end up with this nickname of uh, being the Grim Reaper because every every sort of serious or life-altering one would end up usually as a death. Terrible, but yeah, I sort of sit and smile about it, and you know, in an ironic kind of way, and but think, yeah. That's at any point in your career, especially after those multiple situations, did anybody from the job say to you, "We need to talk to you about"? your last week, your last month, your last six months? The, the only time that ever happened... No, 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 they didn't. Okay, so, health. No. So, just going back to that, so let's talk about our friend who went to multiple hangings in a short period of time. Mm. Where's the checks and balances in the organisation that says, hang on a minute, this is the third annual we've sent him to in five days. But there isn't, there isn't that facility in place, is there? Nobody, nobody monitors that. And the same for me. The only time that somebody suggested it was an inspector, and it was, I was extremely tired, and it's all revolving around the job where I had to do the phone call with the family, the, the, the you know, the, they were on holiday in Spain. Mm. All revolved, when I was doing the handover, I had to hand it over in the morning because I was on, on evenings, so I was supposed to finish at three. It was like about 10 o'clock in the morning now. Um, so putting all the package together um, to hand it on to, to a cop to deal with it. And I was doing the handover to the, uh, there was an in inspector, good, really good lad, sergeant, another good lad, and the, and the two cops that I was handing it over, over to. I couldn't get part of it out because I was choked up. Right, right. And I really struggled to, when I was talking, and I really struggled and I was really choked up about it. And if I spoke about it, and I have spoke about it on previous podcasts and got choked up about it, that was one of the ones that really affected me. Yeah. Really affected me. It was just the circumstances of being in the house and everything that happened. But they then referred me to um, Oki Elf. But I think it was, 
yes, it had affected me, but because I was extremely tired and it was extremely traumatic. Well, I think I think at that point, just that very moment in time. Yeah. Well, yeah. there are times, aren't there? Whether it be on a daily, weekly, yearly basis, we are where we are more vulnerable in certain circumstances than than we might otherwise be, and that can be a cumulative effect of of negative things happening to us. It could be one big event. It could be being around people that are going through mm. great difficulty and you absorb some of that, mm. you know, oh, yeah, emotional absolutely. thing. Yeah. I think, it, it, I mean, look at our friend, you, you know, you spoke about, about him, 20, 20 odd, over 20 years, frontline as a, as a cop in uniform. But you need to take into it, also I think you need to take into account lifestyle. So working shifts, you know, you know what it's like, you're coming off nights and sometimes you've got a quick turnaround back to court. It was like being jet lagged. Yeah, you're tired. Like two or three times a month, you felt like you were jet lagged. And is your judgment and is, is your mental health as good? Well, of course it's When not. you're tired? Of course as it's it is when you're Plus your own emotional um, journey that you're on in your, in your private life, you know, which we know for a fact that our friend has, has gone through, you know, some turmoil in his private life. You know, not, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying any worse than what anybody else has yeah. gone through, you know, with, with a separation from a, you know, uh, you know, acrimonious separation with children involved. That, that, all these things, all these things take a toll on you, on your, on your mental well-being. Yeah. So it's inevitable. It's inevitable. At some point, you are going to, you know. So why is more not being made of this then? I don't know. Do you think, over the years with the job? I think there's still a stigma attached to it to a degree, and as much as you know. I, well, what did you expect to be doing? <laughs> mm. You know, well, what do you, you know? What what do you you know? You can't call the army. We the book stops with us. Mm. And that's is what there I, something specific? Could you could you mention, didn't you, the navy? You didn't feel had the same kind of emotional impact upon you, and you're talking about you know, I'd imagine very stressful situations. But is there something particularly about the frontline policing role? Do you think that that makes people vulnerable to issues like that the nature of the work the relentless nature of the work sometimes whereby well I, you I, can't recover from one thing and then you're into another well there is there is that i mean you look at some of your busiest shifts that you've ever had and if you was to think about i want to say busy i don't mean volume of work i mean the the, the types of jobs that you you have so you you can have you know you could be at the scene of a bad car crash first thing in the morning and somebody's on the way to work, followed by a domestic, you know, where parents have fallen out with the kid, kids lost it and tried to stab dad, followed by um, a violent shoplifter in the town centre, and then you get vulnerable to like, you know, vulnerable misfit, then you get to like just after lunchtime or even maybe even three o'clock because we used to work till, in the mornings we used to work till five, you get like office three, four o'clock in the afternoon and then there's a fight outside with the spoons yeah. where somebody's been glassed. And then you come back to a shit email from the CPS saying they're going yeah. to drop your bang to rights case because yeah you've forgotten to get the CCTV the or something yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I don't think there was not panace there's not a panacea perhaps it is Re to say the maximum length of time you can do that role is five years what did ten year used to be it varied but I think uh, so there was ten ten year on. Uh, on firearms, well, on on the tactical firearms team for supporters, it was known. I think it was a ten year tenure. Oh, right. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I bet a lot of people that are high. Well, well, is that is that cost? I mean, a lot of people would be highly trained, very expensive well, that, well, to that, train well, your well, average the, special person. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? So there's good things about tenure, and there's also negative things about tenure. You know, why would you invest all that money and train somebody and get them to where you need them to be? You know, an omni competent firearms cop that can do tactical, can do arm response, masts. They're not going to be very keen on going back, taking statements, are they? Rifle officer, you know, or you know, bodyguard, or whatever, you know, all of those things. And then after ten years, say, right, off you go, mate. You, you're, can you get on the front counter at so and so? And is it down to cost? Well, I don't know. I don't know. There's a whole raft of of factors in the equation as to as to how you best deploy individuals that's right for the organisation and right for you. So, would you say then, looking at your career and the times when you went through this stage of being the Grim Reaper and, and what you went through, would you, with hindsight, think 
I should have been managed in a different way. I should have, I should have been moved. I wouldn't have wanted to move, but I should have been for my own welfare, for my own mental health. Because our friend is quite clear that he probably wouldn't have wanted to move had someone said to him, you really need to, mm. you really need to. And it's the end of your tenure, you're going to go on doing something else. And no disrespect to our friend, I think you're right. And he wouldn't have wanted to move no. because he was too comfortable. I know that sounds a bit odd. No, but it's what he did. And what he did very, very well. Yeah. You wouldn't want to go but it, but it suited his. It suited his personal life. It suited his travel, his expenses. Yeah. You know, so all, well, you build your life around what you do. Well, absolutely. And if you're good at it. Yeah, and, and so should somebody come along and say, well, you know, you've done this for 10 years, we need to move you, and you go to the other side of the county, where it's an hour and a half commute each way, increasing fuel costs, maintenance costs on your car, to do a job that actually you don't really want to do. Yeah. But then again, not... if when you start doing that role, you knew for a fact it was coming to an end at point X and that circumstances would probably change. Absolutely. You'd well, cut your cloth to well, you, suit. You would, yeah. And you'd prepare yourself for it. Yeah, and you'd manage your own self-expectations yeah. about you know, what, what is expected of, of you in the organisation and, and what's going to be expected of you in terms of redeployment. Yeah. So yes, you would, perhaps your expectations would be already changed somewhat. Mm. So, but again, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think mental health is I think it's dreadful for people that suffer with it. I've had bouts of, bouts of it. I still get it working here. Christ, yeah. <laughs> well, it's an yeah you're at the top coaster. of the food chain here. Oh, oh, <laughs> it's an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all self-inflicted. It is. It is. Yeah. I'm my own worst enemy. Perhaps your beautiful Deborah good needs to be putting some limits on what you do. She's not very good at that. She? she just lets you get on with it, which she, is great in some she, ways. She'd rather not know. If she was more fierce about it. Yeah. How much more money have we borrowed? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not telling you. Yeah. <laughs> I've lost count of the number of things I've signed recently. Economies are built on debt. Yeah, true. You need to be able to raise debt. As you said, you I mean, before debt. I knew you, I didn't have any property. I've no, got no. it coming out of my ears now. Now look at you. <laughs> What's troubling me, and certainly as our, as our good friends is finding out, is that despite now knowing that there is a, a serious diagnosis in relation to his work-related complex PTSD, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing coming from the job to, to ask about his welfare, about his plans, what he's going to do, nothing. Well, the Federation, the Federation have been in touch, haven't they? Ah, that's the Federation. Yeah. That he pays his dues to. And, and, but well, didn't, from the organisation itself. Well, didn't, didn't he go and meet, meet his inspector and then have to buy the drinks as well? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Got coffees, not drinks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the Federation have been in touch. I think they've been in touch with this. Uh, there's some other charity organisation that's been in touch with his. Yeah, that's wife. right. Because it's not just. No, because it's the impact. Is it? It's the family. Mm. And it must be very hard as a family to deal with mm. some of the things that come up as a result of a lifetime yeah. in the police. Yeah. Very, very. Well, I hope, I hope the job changes quickly enough to, to start dealing properly with, rather than treating these people as an, uh, an inconvenience. Yeah. I don't know, some it's way to go yet though. It, it's difficult, it is difficult. As, um, well, this, this, uh, oh, and, and interestingly, is that recently uh, our, our good friend, at least he was buoyed by getting a, um, a big payout from a, an assault case going back a few years. Yes, that certainly helped him. It did, didn't it? Mm. So, was he awarded something like a hundred pounds compo? Yes. And uh, what I was, it was it? a little bit on the low side, but, but nonetheless, well, it, it was, was on the low side. But hundred pounds, hundred pounds, yeah. isn't it? Mm. It's a good night out. Well, for you, it's like a round of drinks, but for most people, it's a good night out. <laughs> Plus a new suit and, a, and, a, and a, a meal on the way home. For me, right? You know, if you're looking at Bernardo's and something like that, and and the Bodrum kebab. Yeah, um, or, or too good to go. <laughs> too good to go. Yeah, yeah. people, We've said it get before. on. Too good to go. It's fantastic. Yeah, download the app. Too yeah, good, too to, good go. to go. Too good to go. Yeah. Especially if you're on shifts. 
be amazing. Oh God, yeah, down to the Lord Ted. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm. Anyway, where was I? Uh, you. Yeah. Pointed at me. Yeah. About hundred pounds. Oh yeah. What about hundred pounds? It's your age. So yeah, he had uh, he had a big check come through, didn't he? Talk about mental health. Yeah. As you know, uh, it's a terrible thing, age. He had a big check come through, didn't he? Yes. How much was it for? Was it forty-two p? It's forty-two p. <laughs> <laughs> so the paper it was written on was worth yeah. more than the value of the. So in in oh. the last two years since his assault, mm. he's received the grand total of forty-two pence. Yeah. And it's not a case of, well, we'll eventually get that £100, is it? No. It's a case of, very shortly, they will drop it because it will cost too much money mm. to recoup the £100 mm. and he'll end up with nada. Mm. Before we finish today, I must need to mention uh, Jazz's big time assault. Yes, I was just going to bring on to it because we're talking about bites. Yeah. Yeah. He was bitten, big time bitten during an assault. Mm. relatively recently. He was with a uh, a, um, a new recruit from the Met, or a transferee from the Met, who's seven foot three. Seven foot three? It's really tall, isn't it? Yeah. They play basketball. Or is that Alfred wrong? Done. Is that wrong to say that? I'm not stereotyping. Well, it's yeah. Putin can play basketball. No, he's a bit dropped off, isn't he's he? He's five foot seven. Five foot seven. And apparently that's why you never see him next to other world leaders. That's why he's got massive tables. Mm. And you never see him walking on stage with someone else. Mm. Well, unless they're shorter than him. Mm. And his ex-wife was five foot six. Uh, is she still alive? Funnily enough, she is. Yeah, mm. yeah. Never touches her front door handle, but no, I bet she just didn't. in case. Mm. Uh, where were we? Oh yeah, jazz on his bike. <laughs> so he gets bitten, right? And so he writes a statement, and then it's all on video. And then the offender then gets taken to hospital, where the offender then roundly abuses for three hours the nursing staff, the doctors. Mm. He tells the uh, nurses, the female nurses, that he's going to rape them. Well, he might have told the male nurses that he's going to rape them. Mm. Um, equally as bad. Um, and uh, CPS gave him some feedback in relation to his file. Because of the body-worn... Body-worn uh, footage. Oh, yeah. And um, first bit of feedback was uh, he came across as being... A bit aggressive after being bitten. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that uh, really it's a bit of a learning opportunity that that really it didn't come across well, and it doesn't cast him in it. The, the, you know, the police in a very good light. And what about his colleague? The same thing about his seven foot three colleague. Yeah, that um, his demeanour was oppressive. Well. Mm, when you're seven foot three, I'd imagine. Very difficult not to be oppressive when you're seven foot three. <laughs> it's, a bit like, it? it's a bit like him having a chat with Putin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's going to feel mm. a bit intimidated. Yeah. I find your body language to be a little bit intimidating. Yeah. Oh, I'm only seven foot three. So poor old Jazza gets assaulted and then gets criticised by the um, yeah. uh, CPS for Shocking. being. It came across as angry on the body wall. Well, you would be angry. I'd be you? bloody incandescent with rage. Great word. I, I was. Um, uh, I was bitten quite badly once on the side. Still got, still got a faint scar on my side where this youthling bit me. He was about 16, 17. And, uh, I, bet he could, I bet he couldn't bite anybody again after his could he? Well, no, when I picked up his teeth. <laughs> but he then started making a talk, uh, you know, murmurings about <laughs> making a complaint. So I quickly went back to the nick with his teeth, <laughs> popped them in a little pop of, uh, pot of uh, milk. And they managed to stick them back in, <laughs> in the hospital. You know when people start using the word complaint, you suddenly start viewing things well, slightly different. complaint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you ever had to punch someone's teeth out? In the job? Yes. To a, uh, a, it was a Not female, in the Navy. It was a female, actually. We're running out of time. Oh, I'm about to tell the story of the lady. She, she was trying to swallow three and a half grams worth of crack. Ooh. And uh, after I'd finished get, removing extricating the uh, the ball of yeah. crack from her mouth, she just looked at me and went, you knocked me fucking teeth out of her. Which were on the floor next to where she was laying, having just removed this ball oh, of uh, crack from her mouth. Well, yes. it's been an absolute pleasure. This Baltica is yes. very nice. I can't pronounce this uh, Ukrainian. But anyway. I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll re-invite mm. our guest along uh, next week. He is worth waiting for. Mm. And he is slightly embarrassed about the fact that he didn't quite make it this evening as expected. Oh, well. 
Never mind. It's, it's great to be back again. It, it is. Oh, it is nice to be yeah. back. So, Blocker fans, thank you very much. And don't forget Yup Beer. Yup Sorry, Yup beer. beer tonight. We're not drinking your beer. Yup Beer. Off the cuff. 12. 12. Isn't it? Yes, is it? it is. It is. You're right. Yes. Yeah. See you later. Cheers. Bye bye. That's the best bit. <laughs>